with your host, Juice One. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. For those of you with any kind of literary background, of course you realize I'm reading the famous quote from the famous poem uh, by Robert Frost. Um, And I'm reading that from this fantastic book that I just got from my good friend, Yaron Smeets. Yaron, welcome to Mic Check. Thank you. You have just put into my hand something I know I'm going to be highlighting and reading through uh, extensively. Uh, this is the first book from your project, The Jaunt. Yes. And the book is called Combining the Two Best Things in Life. What are the two best things in life? For this particular project, it's uh, <laughs> art and travel. But it's, uh, yeah, everybody's got their own two best things in life, obviously. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so, right away, I mean, let's just uh, get an idea of what exactly The Jaunt is is uh you you are the one behind this whole thing yeah and it's really really taken off what yeah. is what is the it's, jaunt the jaunt it's uh it's an english word for a short and pleasurable uh, trip journey excursion yeah. um and um what we do like in in the shortest way possible what we do is we send artists all over the world to find inspiration um uh, the artists they they travel to a new place that they've never been to before they spend about five to six days on location they do whatever they like to do whatever they like to visit whatever they, whoever they would like to meet um and uh, they come back home and, and they make an artwork based on their newfound inspiration and finally we sell the artwork we produce it as a limited edition screen print but the only catch is that we are selling or we're selling the prints before the trip takes place so you know which artist is going to which location but until you actually receive the print you have no clue what it's going not what it's going to look like i don't know what it's going to look like the artist doesn't know what it's going to look like so we're effectively selling blind prints this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) you are able to sell the creation of an artwork or you're actually able to sell a piece of art that doesn't exist yet yeah and it it surprised me as well the the first like I started with this project two years ago and the first thought of the project came to me came about like three years ago so one year prior to actually starting the first trip um and and i was talking with artists and every time i i interviewed a lot of artists back then for journal for magazines and stuff and um every time i talked with an artist it was either they'd just been on the trip which was really inspirational or they wanted to go on a trip to mm. become inspired again um so there was always that travel element that they were longing for right. um so i just figured like all right like i work a lot with artists how can i help them make those travels possible without paying for it out of my own dime because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that can get really expensive real quick yeah for um sure. And, and yeah, just a lot of putting things together and, and crowdfunding was sort of taking off and the, the whole idea of buying into something that you're uh, helping to create. Um, uh, yeah, that started gaining momentum. And um, the first trip, I we I talked with an, an artist, a friend of mine, uh, Hadoff, and um, I sent it out to friends and family. Like, hey, I'm... I'm trying to do this project it's called right. the jaunt and we're going to send this guy and we would love for you to sign up um and uh we sold out and that was crazy wow the yeah. first the very first one the very sold first out. one yeah 
okay, so and and to just to be clear, you're you're having the artists create a limited edition work. Uh, a or the, the artists create an artwork, yeah. and and I have a printer in Utrecht in the Netherlands, okay. and um, together with him we make limited edition screen prints. We always print an edition of fifty, um, fifty pieces, fifty prints, um, and we always use the same printer to guarantee the quality and right. stability of the whole project throughout. Right. Yeah, man, you, you know this seems to be one of. The best ways for, uh, particularly for you know the young urban contemporary artists that that are coming up, one of the most uh, you know uh, sellable ways for them to to make money from their art is actually to do limited edition prints. But what you're combining here is that element of there's an experience mm-hmm. that's behind this whole this whole piece of work. Yeah. And not only is there a specific experience for the work, you as the, the, the collector now get to be a part of making that journey possible. Yeah, and a very active part as well. Because right. like, because we're selling all the prints beforehand, we're actually able to fund the trip. So without selling prints, we can't do the trips. Right. Um, it doesn't happen unless people buy the prints. Luckily, for because we had so much support up until now, we're always going on the trip. So we've taken the crowdfunding aspect, right. the, the uncertainty of actually, is it happening or not? We've taken that out. Um, so the print, like the trip is always taking place, you know, regardless of, of how many prints sold. Wow. Um, but and luckily again we've we've sold out the last four or five trips um and and typically we sell about 25 to 30 prints minimum of of each uh, print this is amazing i mean and, th- and it's, it's surprised me as well i, I mean because because it's not like people get to shop and see it before no. it, 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 hasn't ex- it doesn't exist no and they actually they they're like okay i'm going to i'm going to do it i'm going to yeah it it really surprised me as well how people um responded to it because I've, I've done exhibitions before sure. I've, I've sold artworks I've sold prints I've, I've done I've made zines I, I, I've worked on a lot of different stuff with a lot of different artists and, and I've never sold as many prints as, as we are selling now <laughs> with this project <laughs> so, so I, I only needed to take away the actual print right. in order to sell the prints it's, it's easier <laughs> it's easy to sell the prints we don't already have them that's incredible that is incredible well alright so Obviously, there's some things that led up to, to you getting to this point, but before you started doing the jaunt, you mentioned you were already, you know, involved in, in the art industry. Um, and that's actually, I think, how I met you. Uh, another one of our guests has been Lars uh, mm-hmm. Peterson from uh, uh, Ross Killer fame, of course. Yeah. Um, and he introduced us, I think, uh, either... I believe so, Yeah. Or like, or maybe somehow it seems like he can get to Denmark and do something with graffiti and not meet Lars. Lars, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's the glue man. He connects everybody. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But uh, but but this is a few years back when you first uh, came to Denmark. Yeah. Um, Like I came to Denmark about three and a half years ago, so it's probably around that time. Yeah, 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 for sure. And you had uh, a magazine that. uh, Eight magazine. Eight magazine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What what was Eight Magazine? Are you still doing anything with that right yes, now? Yes, Eight Magazine still exists. Okay, um, yes. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to make an issue for the last year, um, but we're still very active. Uh, we're we're a lot online now, and um, 
basically the eight magazine was a project or is a project in which I published a magazine. Um, I, I've before like I started my, with my own uh, company. I, I was editor in chief of a magazine called Reload in in the Netherlands, okay. um, which is compared in comparison to Bitch Lab magazine here in Denmark. Sure, uh, okay. it's like a Dutch yeah, yeah. Dutch version of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I've always worked within magazines and, and magazine culture and also working as a freelance journalist for other magazines. Yeah. And um, I wanted to make my own magazine, but I was like, all right, how can I do something different? Like, how can I make a magazine that people don't throw away in the end? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did was I made a magazine, which is a big format. It's 30 by 40 centimeters. Yeah, and nice. we print eight artworks full page. And, and that's basically it. Um, wow. So these pages become artworks that you can actually take out and they're 30 by 40 centimeters so they, right. fit, they fit into a standard frame. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's eight artworks in, in a magazine, really. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and that's, that's actually one of the, the reasons I wanted to have you on because I think... Uh, a lot of the folks that have been listening to the podcast are either artists themselves or are interested in, in visual art. And I think you're one of the most clever people I've ever met on this, you know, this sort of an unusual business to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into to being, you know, sort of the curator and and, and arts um, dealer that you that you've become? You've gotten to be really good at this. And <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, how did you get to start into this? I I painted a little bit back in the days and 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 did some stuff and um, had some exhibitions with some friends and w- was in a couple of collectives and um, but at the same time I was always the guy who brought people together and and organized things and and as everybody else progressed and and I wasn't I realized like I'm not, I'm not the artist here like my these other people are the artists but and and I I should take take a step back and right. become the guy in the background become the guy who's putting everything and everybody together and and, and making projects happen mm. um and at the same time I was also working as the editor in chief of the of the magazine and and we always had a, a cover artist who uh, made the cover for us uh, so through that I met a lot of artists and, and um, actually worked with uh, Shepard Ferry for a cover the, back then wow. uh, or one of his assistants anyways yeah. and, <laughs> and um, yeah just gradually really gradually and, and, and then at the time I left Reload I uh, started my own company called Your Own um, uh, English wordplay on, on my unpronounceable <laughs> Dutch name Jeroen uh, um, and uh, I had a, I had a gallery for five months in Amsterdam and uh, called Your Own Gallery yeah. and um, yeah so through that and, and working with the artists that I was painting with before and and, and the people that I knew and the people that I met, I was just able to uh, make an, and create a network and um, just, it, yeah, really gradually. Yeah. Like, there, I, I can't pinpoint to moments like, all right, now I'm going to do this. Right, right. It's um, something that happens kind of organically after, yeah. after time, man. Yeah, but that's, that's, of course, I think that's the the story you hear for many different kind of careers that, that start in a way that it's sort of an accident or you don't really have a specific starting point you just kind of no and, and everything blends into the next phase right like with Reload Magazine for example before I started working there I made a cover as the artist for Reload Magazine 
before you started working there, you yeah. were one of the cover artists. Yeah, that was I think issue forty one or forty, and I made the, I was the editor in chief of the next issue. That's crazy. How did, what, <laughs> like, what, how did what? How did that happen? I mean, that's well, like I, I was never a full time artist. I, I did it on the sides. So I, I, I had uh, I was actually working at a PR and communication agency for okay. two years, uh, and uh, I met. A guy who was doing the website, mm-hmm. and and he left. So I started doing the website, and then the editor in chief of the magazine just stopped, and wow. there wasn't anybody really next in line. And and the edit or the publisher asked me like, "Hey, have you ever made a magazine?" It's like, uh, "Nope, not yet." So I became <laughs> editor in chief of the magazine, <laughs> just like that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That, so, so just I think it says a lot about the actual structure of the publisher in the magazine <laughs> more than about my abilities. But ah, but I, <laughs> obviously, though, you were in in a, a situation that you a, you were able to do something positive with. I mean, it wasn't like you you didn't you know you couldn't do the job or something. It wasn't like you couldn't handle it. You obviously were no. There, I mean, there was obviously it. a lot of figuring out, right. and and I had I think I had two months deadline for the magazine. And the ad, or the publisher and the ad guy who were both the most knowledgeable about the magazine were on vacation for three weeks. Wow! <laughs> so it was a lot of figuring out, but at the same time, I was I was already like I was always the guy putting everything together, and right. and and as the editor in chief, you just need to put everything together, really. Right. Right. Um, so we had designers, we had writers, we had photographers, and just all a matter of bringing them all together and then. Um, overseeing the whole the bigger picture right uh, but that, that makes perfect sense with what you were saying about kind of seeing your role inside of the sort of artist group that you were you were part of already as being a connector being somebody that that puts things together yeah uh, for other artists so I mean yeah it actually makes a lot of sense uh, that, that you would be able to step into that role um, but just just to come back up to now um, with with the jaunt I mean I think obviously it's running well and it's and it seems like luckily so yeah yeah, I mean and it seems like you've got such a good concept and that you're executing that concept really well but I think for a lot of young artists that that start out they're unable to really figure out how to you know how to do anything with their art that turns into a way to make a living Mm -hmm. even to just sell their first print it's like a it's a it's like a mystery how do you how do you go about it um I'm wondering, like, what sort of, what did you know going into this that kind of guided how you'd you'd choose artists or how you'd how you try to to sell the prints? I mean, what experience it's it's interesting. Like coming, um, like the project I've put my most time and effort into before this was Eight Magazine, yeah. and and there my role was to pick the most awesome artists, right? Um, and we worked together with brands, and and so. The brand is the one paying for it in the end. Right. Um, now with the jaunt, I'm the brand. I'm I'm the one paying for it. So there's there's a whole new thing that I need to consider while curating artists, and, and that is of course how can I sell prints with this right. artist? So there, with selecting the artist now, I think the first seven I all knew personally mm-hmm. before either like through projects that we've done before or like we had f- mutual friends um, or we met each other at a party once and, and kept in touch um, I all knew them personally before so it was all my network and it was all about when I was selected it was like first of all it was like do I like the artist and, and do I think it's interesting and, and are they making exciting work uh, but secondly also like how can I sell blind 
prints of this artist. And sometimes that is because the artist in question doesn't make a lot of prints, but mm. people, I, I seem to think that people are interested in buying prints. Um, another artist, uh, the first one, Hadov, is actually making a lot of prints, and, and I've made... Um, a lot of exhibitions with him before as well so I knew that my network was already in, interested in this right. uh, person right. and this artist um, so it's, it's it's a very it's complex it's like it's definitely not every artist can do this trip um, sure. also because of the fact that we're selling blind prints so in order to give any kind of guidance to the audience who might be interested in buying you need to somewhat make a, a logical next like predict a logical next step of the artist like there shouldn't be it I'm, I'm not looking for an artist that jumps styles every other month or so because it's it's too difficult yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a way to sell and and that yeah sounds weird to say that commercially but no, um but that makes a lot of sense uh because yeah you've got to have there's got to be even though you as a as a buyer don't know what you're getting no necessarily you need to have some no kind idea. of yeah, yeah so it's um, style style consistency and and without being trapped in it and right. and at the same time we've sent an artist like um shu uh, neil shu millman a guy like well well known for his calligraphy one of my all-time um, favorites and, absolutely and, and he made a piece that had no letters in it and i and i love that because of that I just um, I just looked at that in the book and I had seen it online as well but um but to to hear I mean first of all calligraphy and that entire world that he created was super influential on me and a lot of other people mm -hmm. I mean it's just uh, all of a sudden these traditional handwriting gestures became this this thing that tattoo artists and, and stuff and graffiti artists were now trying to explore into it and it's sort of like he connected the centuries old tradition with yeah. the energy and the ephemeral nature of, of graffiti and, mm -hmm. and urban art you know in the 21st century and that kind of blows my mind to hear that that the guy like the guy that did that does this piece and does something where the letters are gone yeah but it's because it's because the inspiration that he found on this trip like he, he saw he saw calligraphy in, in Istanbul I've, I don't think you, I've been in Istanbul you can't go around calligraphy in Istanbul right. um, but what his like what he what inspired him was the patterns that he saw everywhere that like it was just something that at first he noticed left and right and then he could he couldn't stop noticing it. Right. It was everywhere, and um, for him, that was way more interesting. And and it was, it's like it's it's a it's a progression of the artist and and, and their style. And um, and I think, like he's he used the same tools that he've done for calligraphy. He's actually the piece that he made was, is made with a brush uh, and and just two strokes of a brush. And in the end, it's it's all about him using the same medium and and boiling it down to the absolute essence of it and in this case it was uh, two strokes that formed uh, an octogram yeah uh, the eight-pointed star um, yeah just looking at it now um and i think that that's sort of what has always impressed me about uh, well just about calligraphy in general is that it's this sort of it's like this sort of exercise in in the execution of of a brush stroke it's the the 
demonstrating some something that's almost perfect over and over and over again and and it's like the tr- sort of true test of how much control an artist has over mm-hmm. their medium how consistent their hand is i mean there's so many things that go into it and i think for folks that that don't paint they might not be able to um fully you know, understand, fully understand the, the depth of it exactly. and, yeah like or even just how difficult it is to do mm-hmm. that um and I, I would imagine, sure, some people will, will look at this and react to it the way they might react to m- other pieces of modern art, Mondrian or something like that. Oh, it's just boxes. And like, no, 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 you don't understand. No. This is a perfect octogram. And that's exactly interesting what you say there as well, because I've I've had people who bought the print beforehand and, and they said to me later, like, oh, there's there's no letters in it. Yeah, they thought they were getting something that, yeah. which is, of course, a reasonable expect- expectation. It's, yeah, yeah, it, it's reasonable, but like, it's also something like at the same time they mentioned that at the same time it's also said like but I mean they can't do anything about it and they appreciate that of the project that you don't know what you're gonna get and um, yeah so it's it's no it wasn't a problem but it was definitely something that um, surprised people yeah which, which I think is actually the most interesting part of this project the, the surprise yeah there's there, well there is this certain element of the unknown that you've managed to capture and, and infuse into mm. the process of, of these artists uh, and, and outside of the print by itself as well I think for Shu for Neil Shu Millman it, it's been like he actually denounced the term calligraffiti uh, for use of his own artwork uh, like only a couple of months ago right. and um, he started doing abstract vandalism and and this piece as he explained to me is sort of a transitional piece moving away from the letters and this is still it's still form it's still an, an, an object uh, and now he's going even more abstract um, but and, and this is that transitional piece and that's what I think is the most interesting and the most uh, um yeah most yeah, most interesting for me to witness in in the artist that they use the trip and the inspiration that they found to in their whole artistic practice and and not just for the one print that they made um and having the the, the trip and the inspiration having such a profound effect on them yeah i mean i think that like that's that's the thing about this that i think i'm super interested in uh is is the you're managing to actually make a really concise connection between uh, the artist's journey, <laughs> you know, literally and figuratively speaking, mm-hmm. um, and and the actual work that they produce. You know, that the the experience that they have comes through in what they've made now, or or what they're going to make, and and I think that travel as you know as Wayne from COD crew he said a long long time ago is one of the most important things an artist can do it's like it's you almost owe it to yourself and to your audience to 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 experience something yeah. new because and that, as yeah. a person not even yeah. as, as yeah. an artist yeah. yeah yeah and I think that's maybe also why this project resonates with so much people because like as as a person whenever you travel you come home and you're like the people I met were were amazing and and I want to do this more I want to do that more and I real I realized when I came back I was in Guatemala and like everybody was so friendly to me as the tourist I I came back and I was like I'm I'm going to be friendly to the other tourists and and I lived in Amsterdam so that lasted for a day <laughs> but but still like you come home with this notion of of being inspired to do something new and and to 
like give new guidance in your life or give a new direction in, in your life and and that goes for like everybody yeah yeah for sure i mean i think that's part of what what makes people interested in art at all you know and being interested in what artists do yeah yeah and in the art it comes out as an actual visualization of, yeah. of that yeah. change yeah it becomes the tangible thing yeah exactly that sort of we we're trying to talk about but then that, that's the beauty of, of art it just sort of does it for yeah. you yeah uh, uh, exactly man uh, I mean I, I, I think I'll, I'll, another one of the reasons of course that I, I wanted to talk to you about this I mean as a visual artist myself I'm always looking for some kind of uh, yeah what's the next step how do I make some progress how do I uh, develop both personally and, mm -hmm. and, and stylistically and, and aesthetically and I'm I've Finally, I'm starting to feel uh, like where all of these years of doing all this kind of different kind of stuff, jumping all over the place, I finally feel like now I have some clarity about what uh, what I want to try to do. Mm -hmm. And then it's like you said, you know, you can't just keep jumping styles. Like that's really difficult for for anybody to make a career if you're not you don't have any consistency. Yeah. Right. Um, but. Which, yeah, which, it's it's a paradox because I, I I think artists that jump styles are, are can be super interesting and and it's it's amazing to see the progress in that and and because it's always um, you can see their personal progress through the styles that they're making, right? But commercially and 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 selling that. It's just until you're like a really well-established name, it's just, it's very difficult. Very very yeah. difficult. Which yeah. is of course a reality. And I think the other thing too that I'm just starting to appreciate now. You know, it's, I'm almost 33 years old, and finally just starting to appreciate that there's a certain amount of discipline that that sort of plays into establishing some kind of consistency in your work, where you you take the time to not just do your rough draft and then try to sell it, but that you hone it, you mm -hmm. polish it, yeah. you, you you put more time into it, not just, you know, throwing out every single sketch that you do and, and trying to make money off of that, but actually, let me step back and refine my yeah. process. Let me put some more thought into it. Why are you making this mm -hmm. stuff? And, and to not just... Um, go through the motions or whatever you think people is going to buy. I mean, that's that's the worst, actually, to just try to make something specifically because you're hoping that you think that maybe somebody's going to buy it. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You, that's not you. you. That's not you. No. That's that's not you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm wondering how screen printing as uh, as the method of producing don't those. get too technical on me because that's why I got a printer <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, but, but sure I mean because I, I think the, the process of screen printing is actually it, it, I, I'm really interested in getting started mm -hmm. myself um, and without getting too technical um, I suppose it is sort of a technical question <laughs> but, but I'm wondering if there was any reason why you wanted to go with screen printing as opposed to lithography or or um or even just having, you know, some kind of handmade multiple. Um, was there a specific? There is. Uh, I definitely did not want to go digital. No, um, of course not. Uh -huh. th that was out of the question for obvious reasons. Um, so then I was looking like, all right, how can we make multiple editions within a budget as well? Because like we're selling the prints for for sixty euros. So do the math. Like we got wow. three. We got three thousand euros for production. 
uh, all organizational things, uh, the trip, hotel, wow. per diems and everything. Um, so we needed to f- have find a medium and a way to make multiples within that budget. Um, and that for us was, was screen printing. I, I met a printer in, in Utrecht in the Netherlands um, who really enjoyed the project and, and really believed in the project as well right from the start. Um, so I'm, I'm very lucky to be working with him. His, his name is Joris Dix, which okay. translates a little bit more funny in English than in Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what it is with Dutch people and names. It's either unpronounceable or funny. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing. Master, he's a master screen printer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a the master. I think the title in the book is, is Master Printer. Yeah. He, was, he was happy with that. Yeah, yeah Master Printer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I could not do this project without him. That's, uh, uh, that's a given, yeah. Oh, well, they will definitely shout out to, how do you pronounce his name? Yours Dix. Okay, we, we're going to have to write that one down. I'm not even going to dare attempt to, to pronounce that one. Um, but I'm really, really excited to see the the next, you know, the next round of artists that come out. Yeah, and yeah, and then again, the screen printing for us has been really good. It, it's it's a way to make uh, qualitative, still handmade. Like all of our prints are handmade, so yeah. there's no machines making the the, the screen prints for us. And um, um, he has his own studio. He's his own boss, and and he's an artist himself as well. So he actually knows what the artists are, are doing with their artworks and he can translate that and, and um, yeah it's it's for us it, it's a medium that uh, works really well um, we're still or for the future it would be very interesting to look into other mediums as well but um, sometimes the prints itself are logistically uh, hard already yeah sure so I, I don't like looking into making sculptures and handmade stuff and stuff I, I don't know how to not yet anyways it's not saying that it wouldn't be possible but I mean you got something that's obviously really working well yeah so if it ain't broke you don't have to fix it no exactly not Not yet anyways no no Uh, that's really really you can update it uh, you can always improve along the way yeah sure 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 eventually you might want to try something else but um, but if that's working yeah stick with it I mean that's another thing I mean in general the art industry seems to be and not that I'm any expert I mean you know, <laughs> most artists aren't you know? <laughs> neither, and neither am I. I but that just seems to be um, one of the as I mentioned before one of the most effective ways for artists to actually get a little compensation for the work that they create because when you're first starting out if you're an emerging artist it's quite difficult to get, yeah. to get paid what your work might be worth in terms of time and effort and even at scale you mm-hmm. know um and I mean, I look back on my, my own start uh, and I got, um, I, you know, I kind of had a, re- a growth experience that really stunts my growth, I think, as an artist. I got offered a solo show when I was, I think, 18. Yeah. Uh, I, I apparently had any education. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was really good at graffiti, but, you know, it was no nowhere anywhere close to being ready. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about the art industry. And how did that go for you, that show? Uh, well, I sold my first painting uh, to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good solid that's, collector that's a, there. That's a good start, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, but I mean, it was, you know, maybe we sold half of the works. And, that's good. And that's not, that's not bad at all for, for, for a solo show. No, but, no. but it wasn't, um, it wasn't like all direct sales right from the gallery. It was like um, some stuff that. It was sort of like they did a lot of backdoor dealing. It was another thing that you know, I didn't know galleries would do. Is mm-hmm. like you know they would they would try to sell your stuff to other people and they would negotiate and the price would go all over the place. And again, I had no yeah. idea what I was no. getting myself into. But I, I really 
I think my ego got a little pumped up too early on. And so I kind of felt like, oh, okay, well, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, getting established. And it's like, no, you're not. You don't no. know. Who told you that nobody knows It's you tricky. Yeah, it's it super is. tricky. I've, I've worked with an artist in, uh, in the Netherlands called uh, Joe Holbrook. Um, and what we did, like the first... He had a show in England where I, I found his work, and, and then we did a couple shows in, in the Netherlands, and he moved on to a fine art gallery. Um, and the first shows we did, he made uh, the first show he made uh, acrylic paintings, mm-hmm. but like photorealistic uh, acrylic paintings with all like, I think the first show was all nightlife. Okay. Um, and we sold paintings that were maybe like, I don't know, 70 by 100 centimeters for 300 euros. And everybody came up to us like, dude, that's way too cheap. Like, why are you selling them at that, that price? And and we were selling them at that price because we wanted to sell them. Right. We want we wanted actual people to buy them, to put them in their house, to show them to other people. Right. What good is a painting of a thousand euros that you put in a gallery that you don't sell and ends up at the attic again? Right. Like it, it doesn't it, do anything. It, no, for it's not any. It doesn't provide any value. It doesn't provide any money. It doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't work for the gallery either. So or we wanted to sell. We wanted to sell the paintings. Yeah. And and then on the second show we made the painting like just gradually we we upped the prices a little bit and and that worked really well for us then and um, so yeah like it's but every game every artist has a different game like Hadov uh, one of the artists in in the John project he um, aside he's, he's the first artist who traveled to Helsinki okay um, he is an illustrator as well like he, the commercial clients and and just uh, actual so he's actually established il- already in illustrator for hire sure, sure. Uh, and and he makes really interesting stuff has a very defined style um, and and the clients want that style from him and he loves that he what he loves doing is uh, getting a problem that he needs to solve visually. That's what he loves to do. And and that's what that's perfect for client work. Yeah. Um, and he screen prints a lot. He makes up a lot of his own free work prints. Uh, and he sees the prints as uh, basically his promotion. Um, getting prints out. He sells prints for 30, 40 euros. Um, and... <laughs> That, that covers the cost of the prints and he makes yeah. a little bit extra yeah. um, but he gets the prints sold and people buy the prints people people put the prints up and people enjoy the prints and, and it, it's, it's his promotion for his, his illustrations uh, you know what's so fresh, refreshing about that is it's it's completely the opposite of what the I'll, I'll call it the traditional art establishment how they go about trying to sell mm-hmm big big art names it, it's completely opposite of that because they try to sell the idea that the intrinsic value of the thing created is astronomically high mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually matter what the thing actually is it's just that the name attached to it i think at that level it's just it's just it's just business yeah it's yeah. Totally. It's, it's it, does, it doesn't matter. Any, it doesn't matter at all. No. I did. I just saw. Um, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, this artist. Did you hear about this Instagram exhibition? I actually read a little bit about it, but like just a headline on Facebook yeah. and skipped it. This guy basically just downloaded photos from Instagram and printed them large, mm-hmm. large scale prints. But it's just Instagram photos, and he typed in some of. You know, a couple of comments, you know, changing the text on the original comments from the Instagram photo. And they sold these 
for ninety thousand dollars each. That's good money. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty damn good money. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, does somebody actually hang that up in their house? Like, where where do you go? And, and see that this thing's actually like what what I personally appreciate the most of that is is just the game of selling that's a hustle and, right there yeah my goodness and and just the the ludicrousity of it how do you what's the, the word the, there I think ludicrousness of it the ludicrousness <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing I think it's yeah I think it's awesome yeah I mean it's, Good it's, for it's him. so absurd like I mean how yeah how did you and that like like I've been to a couple art fairs and The word art is in there, but for the rest, it's just a marketplace right. with with people selling their their products. Yeah, and and yeah. and that's fine as well. Yeah, like yeah. it's good that that's there, and 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 that puts food on the table for the artists that sell their artworks. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's still somewhere this notion of the romantic art world and and the but there's the business art world and. Yeah. It's it's hard where they actually meet, yeah. and they they definitely don't meet at the bottom where nobody's making money, and at the at the top where ninety thousand dollar Instagram photos are being sold. <laughs> well, I, I think it's the, the which the, I guess in in the big art world game still a reasonable price ninety thousand dollar. Well, you you could you could look at uh, you know some of the other prices for artwork, and you know when you get up to the elite and the high end stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy, crazy numbers to me. Millions of dollars yeah. for artwork, right? So, that that's a whole world that most people don't know, don't understand. It's and so neither do I. I. I don't I, get it either. No. No, I, and uh, you know, I mean, I took the time and it's tried a, to. The only it. thing I understand of it is that it's just business commodities. Sure, at yeah. that at that level, you're not even talking about art anymore. It's really just it's investments. It's investments. Yeah. It's completely about investments. Yeah. Uh, And the reason that art gets sold has very little to do with what it actually yeah. is. And it's actually, we just did a trip with an artist called Clean Peterson, who is um, an LA artist, uh, prolific, who worked a lot with Shepard Ferry also. Yeah. And um, we done a second print with him. Um, his trip was um, sold out within four hours, the blind trip. Wow. Uh, 40, 40 or 50 prints. This was the one, I think you mentioned that. The, yeah, he went yeah, to Athens. Yeah, yeah, it's Athens. Um, and there was so much, like I got so many emails of people that missed it or they, they didn't understand understand the concept yet so they weren't sure what to buy and uh, so we actually together with Cleon we decided to make a second print um, which sold out again in two minutes 50 prints in two minutes which was crazy but at the same time I saw a little bit of that business commodity as well right. I know that uh, I saw one of the first prints uh, first editions uh, was sold on eBay for $500 oh so people um, had immediately turned the right around and flipped yeah. it Uh, and I saw one of the second prints online for a thousand pounds offered. Not, I don't think it's sold, and I don't think it will sell for that price. But it's still, yeah, just people trying to make the most out of it or something. Yeah, flipping it. Yeah, print, print flippers. I heard they're called flippers. They actually have name print flippers. Print flippers. Oh yeah. my god! How about that? <laughs> Um, it's, it's like a dirty business almost, man. It's like, uh, but it's I mean, not, it's, it's legal. I mean, of course. I mean, it's like it's like, it's like selling drugs or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, they flip in prints. Man. Yeah, and but, it happens, and and it's I mean, it's not per se a bad thing, but it just feels a little bit, especially 
me selling the prints and and I know that there's a lot of people that really really want that print and then seeing a guy who hasn't even received the print put it up on eBay for a thousand pounds before he even got it he didn't even have it in his hands already it it was a little bit uh, well that's felt funny that's not really what you guys had in mind I don't think with the no totally not and and I didn't expect that to happen either Um, but at the same time like it's it's not a bad thing I it's, mean, at the end like, of the day, business is business, and I—I I mean, I get it. I, you know, yeah, that's a part of the business. Yeah, that, that's it's, um, things will happen. I—I I thought about if we were ever were to do a a print with, for example, Clean Peterson again, or any artist that has that kind of name, which could sell out, that we could maybe do sort of um, a lottery where you just sign up like I want to buy this print and then we just randomly pick 50 people instead of the 50 people who were lucky enough to get it in the two minutes time yeah um, but yeah future yeah um, who knows yeah, yeah. Right. well I, I mean that's I, I like the idea uh, that you just mentioned and I, and I think what I admired about um, the, you know some of the first conversations I had with you uh, just to jump back a couple of years uh, where you talked about how you would try to you know involve getting a brand involved in in sort of promoting a show mm-hmm. or have them sponsor some aspect of a show I just I, I've always thought you were really creative at how you approach selling art and and doing it with uh, with the kind of integrity that I don't think you see in the, the, the high end art world where they are just kind of like moving and shaking and it's not no. you know not really I don't think the passion is there at that point you know mm-hmm. they're, they're passionate about making money but uh, <laughs> but they're not necessarily that you know, interested in. The I, I still think that they have a notion of what's good and what's not good, and what's interesting and not interesting. Um, but yeah, th- there's there's just a lot more money involved, and and I think yeah. at that point, other things come into play that sure. I yeah. I don't even understand yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that, man. So who knows what yeah. like whatever happens to us when we started selling under a thousand dollar paintings? Jeez, man. Well, can you imagine the kind of trips you could send people on if you're? Uh, That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe I can finally join on the trip yeah. for once. Yeah. H- have you have you been able to meet up with any of the artists at their destination yet? Or um, only with one artist, okay. and that was a da- an English guy called uh, David Schillinglaw, uh-huh. and he actually he traveled to Denmark and he okay, stayed yeah. at the summer house of my uh, of my uh, Danish family. Okay. Um, so we actually we hosted him there for five days which uh, oh, which is probably great. a good thing because it's out in the middle of Schellens Oda yeah, it's yeah. in the middle in the, war, in, the fo- in the in the woods in the forest and he'd get lonely depressed or just out of food real yeah, quick if yeah, he was alone yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure so it was actually kind of nice to <laughs> but yeah it was really nice it was really nice to be within the creative process and, and being an artist myself as well like I'm, I'm, or used to be an artist myself uh, I, it's, not, I, it's not that I've never seen that but to actually witness like the actual creative process on a John trip, that was new to me, and, yeah. and it felt really nice. You get and, to see and, a little bit of what you've been, yeah, been, been yeah, and, and for me, time. inspiring as well, and and to get a better understanding of what the artist on a trip goes through and what they would like to or would not like to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, to jump back um, and just to kind of talk a little bit about uh, about art in general. Um, w- and and sort of the the sort of scene that's happening right now. I mean, what um, what kind of work do you think is most interesting? Um, maybe you could say personally, but also what seems to be interesting for people who are who are buying. Because I, I think there's a 
a new generation of art buyers out there that, mm-hmm. you know without talking about the, the the mainstream art industry at all that are buying art for different reasons than maybe art was purchased for traditionally yeah. right. like going back a couple of years there's the whole boom of the street art um, sure. Sure. vinyl toys and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robot stuff. Yeah, all that, yeah, yeah, all those sweet. things. Um, and and I think those together with graffiti, of course. Um, those are. I think there's gonna be a new thing on or a post all of that right. thing, which I I see artists already doing that um, or or stepping one step beyond right. the traditional graffiti street art yeah. stuff, and that's the thing that I think is most interesting. Artists that have done that have paid their depths within what they were doing um, and transcending that to become more than just that in in whatever way like whichever way they choose and and visualize that Um, and and, and for me personally those are the most interesting artists for the John to work with not always like I, I have the art agency as well where we work a lot with commercial clients right. it's a whole different story there of course um, yeah, maybe we can ask a little bit about that too, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. as well to be um, so yeah for me personally that's the the, the post whatever yeah. um, of a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. well I've been, <laughs> I've been hearing that term quite a bit post graffiti uh, and then there's a sort of um, it's not the best term in the world but I end up using it a lot to try to explain to people uh, what kind, what genre of, of work that you know, I'm associated with or I try to do and when people say urban art a lot it's not really a great term but mm-hmm. um, post-graffiti definitely I've been hearing of course the term graph futurism um, yeah which I think yeah as I see it that's it's just another brand of graffiti sort of abstract sort of an abstract yeah. version of, of graffiti um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think we'll actually find the term of what we're doing now until ten years down the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and which probably captured the whole thing then. Um, yeah, I don't think. And at the same time, I think it. that there's this Dutch artist called Raphael Rosendahl, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and he actually, he makes internet art, which hmm. logically should be the next big thing. <laughs> he makes websites like art websites that do all kinds of weird shit um, and he huh. sells the websites he sells the website yeah how the hell do you sell a website certificates that's crazy that's crazy uh, so if, if I'm not mistaken on this but I, I believe he sells certificates of the website and, and you become the owner of that particular website he's got like hundreds of websites and it's just like every website has, it, has its own experience and, and it's all it's all internet-based, so it's not visually. It's not about a picture on that website, but no. it's 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 experience-based, internet internet experience-based, and um, I think I think that should only become bigger as as our whole global scale is getting more and more digital. Um, definitely, definitely. I mean, just looking at um, the way people are entertained now. I mean, we started to talk about this a little bit before, but the 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 traditional media that people have used for the last hundred years, radio and television and uh, print magazines and things, they, they're still here. They're still a big factor in how people get their information and, and how they get their entertainment. But these things now exist alongside of completely new formats, completely new media that 
did not exist yeah. before. No. Um, Where everybody's got their own little niche yeah, within that. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I was just listening to uh, to Joe Rogan's show on the way over here. That's like my guilty pleasure is the Joe Rogan. He's the... He does the UFC commentator. Yeah, I know him from a comedy show called News Radio. Yeah, yeah. Which is my absolute favorite okay. show. I love that show. That's 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 where he really got to, yeah. his first big break, I think, was where he really got famous. But he had um, a video game, a professional video game player on who was talking about this thing called Twitch TV, which mm-hmm. I'd never heard of before. And there's like hundreds of millions of people who tune into Twitch. And all it is is people playing video games. Uh, you're watching yeah, yeah. the video game being, being played, played by, by someone else, else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and they maybe they have their webcam on them while they're playing the game but the main thing that you're watching yeah is to the, see the others play the, the yeah, and, yeah. The, and I, I i've i read a little bit about that where you've just the gamers become athletes and they're like superstars totally. going to tournaments and having fans and all that shit and yeah, yeah. it's interesting the, yeah there's people that are like making big money Totally. being professional video game players which I mean that just kind of goes to show like this is the the world that we live we're in we're getting now. out of touch with the young people Brandon <laughs> that's that's the problem here Dude, that, made me, <laughs> that made me feel old I'm like I'm 33 I'm gonna be 33 years old and I was just like that didn't that that doesn't seem that doesn't make any sense to me how, no. how what like watch other people is that interesting is that really that interesting that, <laughs> that there's uh, there people are paying tip money to the guy as he's like on the you know grand theft auto like uh, what that just blows my mind but that just kind of goes to show like what you said about art earlier is that we're in this new world now and i think visual art is going to start or art in general and then you have to call it visual art is going to reflect or is starting to reflect this transitional period yeah. that we're in where where I think also yeah. like you can cut out like what we talked about earlier cutting out the middleman like you can yeah. cut out the gallery you can you can sell your own stuff right. you, you like right. the gallery of course still works in different ways and and it can evolve things and and put a new spotlight on a, on an artist that or just bring a network of whatever audience or, or bias to an artist that they've never had before but at the same time an artist a, a, a smart artist can do all of that themselves yeah yeah you don't necessarily have to no. rely on no. the traditional you know and or at least not in an exclusive way anymore where right. previously it was like all right I'm, I'm working with this gallery and everything i make is going to that gallery and whatever they do with it they sell it to other galleries or other museums or other people that's their business but I need to make everything for that gallery. Yeah. Now you can be, I'm making everything here. I'll send a little bit to this gallery, a little bit to that gallery, a little bit to this guy. Um, it could just be, as an artist, I think you could be so much more in control. That That is, uh, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's um, one of the most exciting things to happen to uh, to creativity period in in the last hundred years is that yeah of course the yeah, creativity period like creativity it's happening period. in film because it's, it's, it's everything music it, uh, everything you, yeah you can now have the relationship the the connections are available to you to get right to the folks who are interested in what you're doing yeah. and you don't need the gatekeeper to let you in anymore no. right and I think that that's the most interesting and most uh, democratizing and and empowering I hate the word empowering because it gets overused so much but for the artists themselves to have a say in what they do and how they put what they do out to the people is yeah. uh, that that's beautiful yeah. and and that's and that's also coming back to the project of the jaunt it's yeah. one of the things like I didn't want to just make prints and sell prints I wanted to give artists or w- with my project I want to 
offer something to the artist that they can't get somewhere else. Right. So, like, they can make a print themselves. Like, why would they need me for that? But (laughs) making a trip, like, giving them an experience that they wouldn't go on otherwise for whichever reason. Because I think that being on a John trip is still different from booking a ticket yourself and actually going there. I, I can um, tell for sure that, the, I mean, because it's also the artists don't get to choose the destination necessarily, do they? Or they have um, some say in it. Like, they definitely want to go. Right, Once we've right. picked a destination, they want to go. But, like, some artists, um, I suggest um, a destination. They're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's go. Other artists, I was like, what's your top five of places you ever wanted to visit? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, some of those work out and uh, some don't. Um, right. So, it's it, there's... Nobody's going somewhere they don't want to go. Okay, well, that's... Um, that's yeah, no, you're not we want to take artists out of their comfort zone, but not that far out right, of their comfort right. zone, yeah. Drop somebody off in the yeah. middle of uh, um, area if they... Yeah, we, and, and that's the thing that I think... Like, I don't know of any other print projects at this moment uh, that can offer something like that to the artists. I've never heard of anything else like no. this. No. Luckily, so far yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> I hope nobody... For the time being. ...try to steal the idea. It's a brilliant, uh, a brilliant formula. Uh, it's a brilliant concept. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm already flipping through the bike. Like, I better stop. It's so... I just... I'm, I'm just so excited about this. And, like, I remember seeing a sticker on a lamp pole somewhere... Like right when you guys started this, and thinking, dude, the joint, what the hell is that? And then I saw something on Facebook, and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. But didn't didn't know that it was you actually. <laughs> All right. And then I finally connected the dots just recently, and I was like, well, wait a minute, I know that I guy. Know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and it was when I heard that you had sold uh, all these these prints uh, from Cleon from Cleon in, yeah. in like two minutes. It was like <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! What's yeah. going on here? Yeah, that was crazy. What blew my mind was that the prints didn't exist yet, and they sold that fast. Actually, well, on on the second edition, the prints existed, and, and did okay, yeah. okay. So it was the second edition. We showed a picture of the of the actual print, uh, but we also made the print double as expensive. So our first print sold for sixty euros, as they, as they always do blind prints yeah, yeah. then the second prints because the you trip had already it. taken place people right. saw the print so the people who bought it first and blind should be rewarded as well for for, for their trust and, and their support in the project yeah. uh, and the others should get the punished uh, quotation marks quotation, right, <laughs> that right. doesn't work on the radio of that's, course that's only um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's only fair because they didn't have to take as big a risk right? exactly right. yeah so yeah. now you know what you're getting so you gotta pay R- for let's it. call it risk management risk management that's <laughs> a much better way to put it for sure for sure yeah man because I, I I think that's that's definitely a fair way to go about it since it is a, 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 a sort of a, a little bit of a deviation from the original yeah exactly of, uh, and and experience. um yeah it's just a, like we actually have some of the prints who uh, of trips that haven't sold out you can actually still buy them on, on the website and and they're also double the price because um, now that yeah, yeah, you know now and, and it's been done and exactly yeah, yeah yeah but that's that's still good and how how about like um the value, do you, it seems like the work is holding its value, the artist that you're... you're yeah, actually the funny thing about us selling the prints double the price after also means that whoever buys the print at 60 euros to begin with has now a print that's worth, worth double the price. Much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Man. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a... 
That's smart. It's a business. great investment yeah, to go buy. That's <laughs> <laughs> smart all the way around. Get in while get in while tight, baby. You got to you got to exactly. get in on the beginning of it. Yeah. And it's and, and the prints are, are they're all the same size. They're all the same size, right? fifty by seventy centimeters. 50 by 70, that's, and um, man, that's a great. That's a perfect size. Yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and actually, like, so what we are um, we've sold. So we're doing this for this is the third calendar year that we're starting, um, and. The um, in the second calendar year we started selling subscriptions so okay. people could because inst- I noticed a lot of people were buying were returning customers yeah um, so I offered them the chance to just get a, a better deal right. uh, and I think we sold six prints for the price of four then oh wow um, and this year we're selling package deals where you can buy four prints at the same time for the price of three um you know what? This is. This but is then the, there's even here. risk management. Why is the risk is even higher? Because you don't even know the destinations or the artists. Right. You, you know nothing yet. But but here's what's brilliant about this. I think it's encouraging new collectors that would never have tried to collect art before, because they can get in on something. It's it's an affordable price. It's totally. a good quality product. Mm-hmm. It's a great concept behind it, and you know. If you're business-minded about it, you know what you're getting is going to be worth more afterwards. Yeah. Like you, you're actually you're guaranteed to have something that's going to hold its value or increase in value. Yeah. So, I mean, this is so this is so smart. Like, this is exactly <laughs> why I want to have you on the show. It makes so much sense. Brilliant, brilliant, Thank brilliant. You. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, well, and, and the last I thing I want to ask you about is sort of going back to traditional gallery shows and physical exhibitions. I mean, are you are you still curating shows here and there? Or yeah, you- I'm actually still curating shows. And um, actually, I guess this is sort of a premiere. Uh, oh, but do we get an exclusive? Exclusive. Do you hear this, Chris? We're getting exclusive. No. You can we get a jingle? We're gonna do uh, a group show, a jaunt group show in Chicago in September. What? Um, at a, a gallery called Vertical Gallery. Um, the owners uh, I've actually met in Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, friends of a friend, and um, they uh, love the project as well. Have supported it, and and we're doing a group show there. I'm still trying to figure out how to go about because. What are we going like business wise? What are we going to sell if the prints have already sold? Right. Um, so uh, we're looking into a way of how to form that and how to give that a body. And um, but that's going to happen the third, the third or the fourth of September. Okay. This year. Yeah. Yo, seriously, I'm so happy to hear that. Like in in Chicago of all places. Yeah, like never been. Have you been in Chicago? I've been in Chicago. Where should I go in Chicago? Well, I mean, there's the classic places. You know, as far as um, they have a great, actually, a great museum. Uh, there's if you to see American art, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best places in the country to go right. to see like the traditional American art. Is go to the the art museum in Chicago. Uh, but they've also got amazing food. They've got great comedy clubs. I mean, the classic. You know, you go go to like uh, Uno's and Douay's for the the deep dish pizza. Right? Yeah. that's uh, that's something you got to do. There's a bunch of steakhouses. Awesome. Should I make the drive up to Detroit as well for a day and check I that would out? Definitely, or? I yeah. would definitely see it. it that's a tra- that's a city in transformation. Um, I have a cousin who lived there for like 20 years, and you know, he I mean, he kind of watched it go like down, and now it's coming back up. He he just moved uh, back to New York. 
Um, but there's so much stuff going on. And so you should definitely make the drive up there. I mean, it's a, it's quite a, it's quite a ride. It's not it's four or five hours. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to yeah. take a little while to get there, but it's doable. That's in American standards. That's nothing, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. That's yeah. nothing by American I mean, standards. We're, we're in a different country here. Any other way we drive, but yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, here you tell people we drive five hours. It sounds like you, Oh my God. You're on vacation. We're on vacation. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> not possible. You did that yeah. in a day trip, but, um, but yeah, I don't know how far are we in time. I think we're getting close to oh, no. uh, exactly. just, just getting up to the hour. So all right, uh, I have one important. No, important. I've got a question for you. Yeah, what are your most inspiring places to visit? Like, where should we go with a John trip? Where what what's the most awesome place oh, to visit in man. the world? Well, I can say the places that I've been to where I was most inspired after I came home. I would say Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? When I went to Kenya, I had the opportunity to go on a trip that was based in making art and meeting artists. Um, I went to Nairobi, mm-hmm. and not just in the city center of Nairobi, but I went to which is considered, you know, it's one of the most dangerous places to go. But uh, but if you get there and actually see it, and you've got some connections, uh, it's actually not that that dangerous. We went to an area of Nairobi called Kibera. Kibera is either the first largest or second largest slum mm-hmm. in all of Africa. It's it's a city the size of Copenhagen uh-huh. where there's no running water, there's uh, no like trash pickup. And then all the chaos that ensues and all these tin roofs and the electricity, these makeshifts, electrical connections and things. I mean, in all of that, there is this incredible art scene there there's these amazing artists sculptors painters that are doing phenomenal work working with materials trash things that Mm -hmm. they can just find get they're mixing their own paint uh and and the graffiti scene as well street art scene and graffiti i mean really really good graffiti artists like unbelievably good graffiti artists considering that they're not they don't have any kind of like uh they're not using montana or Molotov. no no. they're using like blazer you know like whatever paint that they can get their hands on and if they're lucky car paint yeah or occasionally a shipment of something decent will come in but it's not it's not like we have up here in denmark at all um if you can if you can arrange it uh, to send an artist that's willing to go to an environment like that, I mean, because obviously there there are some some risks involved. Um, I would I would say that would be the most interesting place to, yeah. to, to send an artist to out of the places that I've been to. Um, and if I should go back to you know talking about my my where I grew up in my my hometown uh, was Kingston, New York. Um, but I think a really interesting place to go would be Rochester, New York. Um, Rochester is a huge city that sort of it sort of halfway died after mm-hmm. uh, after the the 60s and 70s it kind of it was one of these industrial towns that the economy collapsed like a lot of the manufacturing jobs left this is the home of Kodak right, right. this is like uh, there's there's an enormous rich history in visual art and in mm-hmm. filmmaking and photography in Rochester it's also the home of my graffiti crew I mean FUA like you know um, but, <laughs> Represent. But, but with all you know all, all of the you know uh, favoritism aside I mean Speaking as objectively as I possibly can, because I didn't grow up there, I discovered it as as a as a graffiti painter. 
I think that is one of the most interesting places in the country right. to visit. And it's because of the, the energy, it's because of the, the architecture that's there. There's a, there's a subway system in Rochester, an abandoned subway system. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, th- this is like, you know, this was a bustling metropolis mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, right on the lakes, one of the Great Lakes. And it it just, it, it was like, it had everything that a major metropolis in America needed to mm-hmm. become a huge city and a huge center for the arts. And, and people just left. And then people just left. Yeah. And, and now it's one of the places that's had highest crime rate for years it's 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 had all these economic issues all these poverty issues um but there's there's something really unique and interesting about the spirit of people from rochester that sort of just transcend all of that yeah i i I think that would be a a phenomenal place to say and and it's a place that's sort of on the come again yeah um there's a there's a great urban art festival there called wall therapy that happens every year Mm -hmm. um ian wilson uh is a is a doctor at the University of Rochester who started this sort of wall painting uh, event, and he invites artists. He's had big artists come over and, and do. I mean, Shu was there right. one year. He had uh, Faith Forty Seven. They had yeah. um, Pita from Italy. Right. I mean, and and they've done amazing murals yeah. up there. All right. So there's an appreciation for graffiti big time. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely say my crew had a lot to do with that, but <laughs> but there's a huge appreciation for street art. Um, there's a lot of going, a lot of things going on. Really good food. You know what I mean? And and it's affordable. I think it's one of the most affordable places that you could be in the United States right. and have all that stuff going on. So those would be my two. Rochester and Kenya. Rochester and Kenya. I mean, even out anywhere outside of Kenya, I think would be amazing. Yeah. But specifically... We're, we're, this year, September, we're traveling to uh, Ethiopia, uh, Addis Ababa. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, so that's, that's going to be our first incredible. dip into Africa. We've yeah. been in uh, Morocco. Yeah. But... Uh, it's, somehow it doesn't feel like Africa, Africa yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, Northern yeah, that's, Africa. That's, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it is Africa, but it's... Uh, Continentally is, speaking, it is. Continentally yeah. speaking, sure. But in terms of like really digging into the African continent... And, and African culture. Yeah, and what I learned about Ethiopia, that's the only country in Africa that has never been a colony. Um, it is, yeah. So very, they've, they've got a very rich, uh, pure independent yeah. culture and, and uh, traditions yeah, and, uh, yeah yeah I mean the yeah. birthplace of uh, highly and uh, you know you have Rastafarianism comes out of yeah there. exactly uh, so uh, it's gonna be I can't wait I, I'm gonna buy a print for that awesome. just off the destination yeah. I don't even know the hard <laughs> thing because that's gonna be incredible uh, so yeah you know, and thank you so much. Thank for you for having us. me. Oh it's man, this it, has really been cool, and I'm I'm very very thankful that I have uh, this fantastic book to, to have a look at now. Ladies and gentlemen, Yaron Smeets from the Jaunt. I try to pronounce your name as best I could. You did perfectly fine. Oh, thank you very much. We're gonna post the links, but uh, just quickly for folks who might be listening and want to check it out, where can they? www.thejaunt.net uh, or on Facebook, Instagram, and yeah, that's it. Facebook, Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, that's all you need, man. I mean, that does it. Right? Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. It's too much, too much to handle. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I hear that. You know, thanks so much, man. Uh, we'll put some links and we will uh, be looking forward to hearing uh, about what happens next. Yeah. Uh, sure will. Cool. Awesome. That's it, folks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into the mic check. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. 
and uh, we'll be back again next week with more fantastic guests so stay tuned stick around share it tell a friend let people know we're putting the work in we're trying to make it interesting for you all right that's it i'm out peace